This is a Rooster Teeth production. Is cloning the key to humanity's future or the first step down a slippery dystopian slope? Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we cover topics, people, places, ideas, and events of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature, quite frankly. It's an investigation of the human experience throughout history and today. I'm Elise Willems. And I'm Jessica Vasami. Dolly the Sheep is by far the world's most famous sheep. And no, not because she's a Hollywood actor or TikToker. It's because of how Dolly was created. If you were alive and self-aware in the early 90s, you definitely know her story. Dolly came to be because a cell taken from the mammary gland of a six-year-old Finn Dorset sheep was implanted into an egg cell taken from a Scottish blackface sheep, a process known as somatic nuclear transfer. Carried by a surrogate sheep to term, Dolly was born on July 5th, 1996, and was given her own unique name as a nod to the incomparable country legend Dolly Parton, who has a bit of her own memory-related fame. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sort of reductive because Dolly Parton is an awesome person and does a lot of good for a lot of people. But yeah, it was the 90s. Yes. Dolly the Sheep's birth was worldwide news. It was huge. It was also a massive and monumental scientific breakthrough since she was a clone. And not just any clone, Dolly was the first mammal cloned from an adult cell and turned out to be an exact genetic copy, essentially a twin. Dolly was the only baby sheep to be born alive out of a total of 277 cloned embryos. It takes a lot. The success of Dolly's cloning changed the world's perception of cell development and was an important milestone, not just in cloning technology, but as a catalyst for new concepts like stem cell research. And many more groundbreaking advances have been made since Dolly. Cloning used to be considered this stuff of science fiction. Now to some, it's the future and the natural evolution of humanity's progress, survival, and our experimentation as a species. But still to others, it's an abomination or playing God. There are many ethical quandaries, and even if you're in the pro-cloning camp, there are still ethical considerations and questions that we as a society have yet to answer or even come to a consensus about. In this episode of 30 Morbid Minutes, we're diving into the background and types of cloning, the aforementioned ethical issues, and how much the science has changed in the last 30 years. First, let's break down exactly what cloning is. At its most basic level, cloning is creating a copy of something or someone. I think you and I both know this, Jess. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the baseline of what I the know baseline. about cloning. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to get a lot more complicated from that from here on out. So mm -hmm. stick with us. In a biological entity, cloning is reproducing that entity's genetic material and creating a new product that is the duplicate of the original. There are three main types of cloning, gene cloning, reproductive cloning, and therapeutic cloning. This is where people, the term, you know, playing God comes into play, because that's all I'm thinking about right now is like, wow, we have so much power. So much power. <laughs> Release the clones. I know. Um, gene cloning produces copies of genes or portions of DNA. It's also called DNA cloning or molecular cloning and provides scientists with the opportunity to study genes in detail. Gene cloning has a bunch of different applications, right, Elise? Yeah, gene cloning sort of sounds like a real estate agent, like, call me, gene cloning. 
<laughs> but yeah, in medicine, it plays an important role in the study of antibiotics, vitamins, hormones, and in treating diseases like cystic fibrosis. It's also a type of treatment for leukemia and sickle cell anemia because gene therapy can take damaged genes and replace them with new and healthy clone genes. So kind of out with the bad and in with the scientifically manipulated good. <laughs> scientifically manipulated <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. It can also be used in botany, farming, and ecology. Gene cloning can alter the characteristics of a plant, meaning it could be used to increase crop production and health, basically creating super engineered crops and at the same time helping to reduce the usage of fertilizers. When you think about it, fruits and vegetables now don't look the same way that they looked like thousands of years ago. Yep. Like, you know, when you see a banana and you're like, that was a banana. A hundred percent. I think it's kind of just like that, but now we have a hand in it yes. sort of deal. Mm-hmm. And gene cloning is not a super hot topic type of cloning. It's somewhat ubiquitous now compared to the other types. The second type being therapeutic cloning or biomedical cloning. And this type produces embryonic stem cells, which are used to create new tissues. So it's kind of like gene cloning in that it can be used to replace injured or diseased tissues. But the actual process that's undergone to do this is very different. The basic idea here is that the cloned embryo has the same DNA as the donor cell and is therefore compatible. Real world applications for this type of cloning are primarily medical and done to experiment with treatments for disease. Mm -hmm. And the process for this looks a lot closer to that of the third type of cloning, which is reproductive cloning. And this is creating a copy of an entirely whole organism or animal. The actual process that happens in a lab is similar to therapeutic cloning, as I mentioned, but the applications here are very different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is the type of cloning that probably you, me, and most people think of when we think about cloning as a concept. It's what we see in movies and read about in books. Yes, Jess, you, of course, like me, I'm sure, are thinking of the hit 1996 film Multiplicity starring Michael (laughs) Keaton. (laughs) I mean, absolutely, Elise. Who, remember how the clones... The clones all had like specific skill sets, but then they kind of got dumber. Yeah. And I love that this film was also like 1996, the same year as Dolly the Sheep as well. Oh, you're right. I don't know. I just like, (laughs) this was just the year of cloning everybody. You're right. Like they made the breakthrough with with Dolly and then someone said, get Michael Keaton on the horn. Absolutely. Michael Keaton was the first person in all of our brains. (laughs) Yeah, I do. (laughs) It is always funny to me, the idea in cloning where like, in science fiction, when you make copies of the copies and they get progressively dumber. Yep. That's me. I'm a clone and I'm the dumber version. I'm like the no end copy. That <laughs> feels like it sometimes. <laughs> but there are two subsets of reproductive cloning. One is cloning of animals and the other is cloning of humans. This type of cloning is an asexual reproduction that creates a new organism that is genetically identical to an existing or previously existing being. So yes, since Dolly, there have been a bunch of other animals and mammals cloned. She set the tone for it. Mm -hmm. Two of them are Noto and Kaga, two cows that were cloned in Japan in 1998, so just a couple years after Dolly, who were duplicated several thousand times thereafter. Then five female piglets were cloned in 2000. In 2018, scientists in Shanghai announced they cloned the first ever primate, which was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, A pair of monkeys by the same method of cloning as Dolly. 
But out of nearly 150 cloned embryos, the monkey surrogate mothers were the only ones to deliver live babies. So this is the thing with cloning we'll talk about more is you have to have so many attempts to even try to render a product. Scientists have also cloned like wolves, rabbits, goats, frogs, deer, coyotes, camels, ferrets, the list goes on. One of the more interesting applications for cloning animals is to try and revive extinct species or give endangered species a new jumpstart, which scientists have sort of been dabbling in for the last 20 years. Did you hear that? I did. <laughs> that was that was a T-Rex. Oh, I hear I that know too. it's coming. It's what? It's coming. What? It's a T-Rex. <laughs> no. I know. They left us. They left us. Okay. That's not what I'm going to do. (laughs) I thought it was Devin hammering. Nope. It was a T-Rex lease. Just (laughs) accept it. Okay. I wish, man. I mean, no, I don't because that's just like, that's, I mean, it would be absolutely incredible to bring a dinosaur back. I mean, obviously I would love to see it, but it just. Let's be real here. We'll go, oh no, the implications. We are both we are both heavily invested in Jurassic Park Absolutely. being a real thing. Absolutely. And this is essentially what we're talking about here, reviving these extinct yes. animals. It's, it's yeah. the you know, it's it's the mosquito in in, it, yeah, it, in Jurassic, yeah. Jurassic Park. I mean, and whenever I hear that, I immediately think dinosaurs because it's something that I feel like we as humans were, were fascinated by the dinosaurs because they were we fa- we have found their bones. I mean, they are yeah. here everywhere and Um, I mean, yes, I would, if someone was like, Hey, we're going to bring back the T-Rex, just one. Do you want to see it? I'd be like, I don't know if I should be doing this, but yes, I want to see it. I mean, just because you could, doesn't mean you should. Exactly. I was reading an article about bringing back woolly mammoths. And that's another one I'd love. Yeah. I'd love to see it, but I don't know. Yeah. and And, but there's complications because you have to take that DNA and you have to have a surrogate that's like an existing um, Mm -hmm. animal, right? Mm -hmm. Mammal. Mm -hmm. So like you'd have to find an elephant that's most compatible that could potentially even bring that animal to term. You're right. The keyword potentially, like would it even be able to Mm -hmm. make it inside its body and birth it? Yeah. Yeah. Researchers are doing this though, right, Jess? They're, They're reviving these animals. Yes. In 2001, a type of Asian ox known as guar died just a few days after birth, but researchers were later successful in 2003 when they managed to clone another type of ox called benteg. There have actually been many incidents like this where a cloned animal only survived a handful of days. And as the case with Dolly, cloning isn't a get it on the first try sort of thing. It requires hundreds of attempts. Mm -hmm. In 2020, scientists in Colorado cloned the first U.S. endangered species, a black-footed ferret duplicated from the genes of an animal that Jurassic Park died over 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Her donor was a ferret named Willa who died in 1988 and was frozen, not unlike a mosquito frozen in amber. Mm-hmm. Jessica. Mm-hmm. Jessica. <laughs> um. like, like it's up to you. Yeah. I Jurassic <laughs> Park happens. <laughs> uh, did you see the new one, by the way? Not, no. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, mm, okay. We'll talk about that Do later. they bring them back more? Uh, dinosaurs are in the movie. Yes. Oh. Yep. Just so you know. Um, I thought they were phasing them out. Nope. 
<laughs> they're still they're still there. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot of ethical questions as to whether bringing back extinct species is the right thing to do. On paper, yes, reviving these species would reintroduce them for future generations and probably make humanity feel a bit less guilty for wiping out some entirely. But it begs the question as to whether many of these extinct species could even survive in modern ecosystems mm-hmm. and if creating a new population even has the long-term means to adapt and evolve for that species to continue to survive. It could also just place strain on other existing species we have. And a lot of researchers think we should be spending time, money, and efforts on preserving existing species that are on the brink of extinction. Mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. I know. It's just, it's the, the dinosaurs will... Rule the earth once more. Oh, man. I'd love to see it. <laughs> oh, no. I just, but I'm going to be like Laura Dern, you know? Someone's going to turn my head. I'm going to pull off my Ray-Bans. Some insane mad scientist is going to listen to this podcast and hear <laughs> your fervor for this and then say, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for Jessica. Oh, my God. I, I don't think we should, but I, but I you know, am curious. <laughs> so, How much would you pay for like a weekend all-inclusive ticket to go to Jurassic Park. Oh, man. After this includes your flight, movies, your flight in. No, after watching you know. the movies, all hell will break loose every single time. So probably not. I'd pay $10,000. <laughs> That's it? That's still a lot. It's That's still a lot. A lot but knowing that you'll probably die. Well, no, in this scenario, I don't. I just visit the dinosaurs. I go home and then it's the next batch of people that get eaten. Oh, okay. Then me yeah. too. Me too. <laughs> but yes, you know, as we mentioned earlier, how cloning can be used in agriculture, but we haven't gotten to the point yet where cloned animals are used for food products, though the FDA decided in January 2008 that it's safe to consume meat and milk from clone animals like cattle. I personally, I've thought about this a lot even you know, prior to this episode for years. I would love a world where someone could just make a slab of chicken, like a chicken breast in a lab that's not attached to a body or a brain, and I could just eat it guilt-free or like a, a flank of steak, you know? Oh, that's so interesting to think about. Because then I know it's, it's completely divorced from having a creature attached to it, but I still get yeah. the same taste and texture of a piece of meat. Honestly, yeah, no, you're, that's a hundred. I think I would do the same. And I think after a while I would be able to separate that in my brain. Cause a lot of the time when I eat food, if I know it's something that I don't want to eat, but I'm da- I'm absolutely hundred percent down to try anything nine times out of 10, I won't ever eat it again because my brain will take over. Even if it tastes good, I will just like, once it's in my brain, like, oh, you're eating this. I'm like, nope, that's not going to work for me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think I would do that for sure. And it, in, it would eventually escape my brain and I could eat it without thinking twice about it. Sometimes the desire to clone an animal can come from a place of surprisingly love. There currently exist a number of private cloning companies that for a price will clone your beloved dog or cat for you. My dog passed away last year, our beloved Benson, and he was old. He had lived a great life, but ultimately he succumbed to old age. He had a you know, myriad of health problems throughout his life. And really like the first impetus and inspiration for this episode kind of came from my experience with being served ads and articles for these private cloning companies in the aftermath of his death. Wait, you were served ads and like, did you, what? Yeah, I think because like I had been searching for services like Lap of Love to do the procedure and I was looking for information 
So I started getting served ads and articles about cloning animals in these private companies. Yeah. yeah. Now that is morbid. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what we're here for. Yes, that is why we're here. <laughs> yeah. Aww. So my dog passed away and I'm getting served these articles and it like sent me down this rabbit hole of pet cloning, which I know we've talked about pet cloning mm-hmm. before, Jess. Mm-hmm. And there was this brief glimmer, like during the time of my deepest grief, where if someone has said to me, hey, here's $50,000, don't spend it on Jurassic Park, <laughs> spend it to clone your dog, because that's how much it costs, about 50 k to do it, I probably would have done it just due to how I was feeling at the time. And again, this was fleeting because after my grief passed and I was sort of thinking more clearly again, it's obviously something I would never do. We build these like loving attachments to our animals, but there are so many existing and alive animals and shelters that need homes. So from my personal perspective, one that is also widely voiced, I think it's ethically, you know, irresponsible to clone your deceased pet when you can give a home to a different animal. Yeah. Yeah. And basically you have to preserve a sample of your pet's genetic material to do the procedure, right? Yeah. Because the tissue begins to degrade. So one of these companies provided on their website an approximate timeline of how long it takes to clone your pet. And if you get the sample and everything aligns right, you might have your clone in like just a handful of months. And- Yeah. And I know we've talked about this, but as I fell down this rabbit hole, I also got pretty fascinated with the influencer trend of cloning your pet. Yes. Which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes I guess sometimes cloning can come from like love and grief. I I don't want to sound too judgmental. My personal perspective is give an animal that needs a home a home. But I do also get from being there that this pet has meant so much to your life. You had this deep bond and you want that to live on in some way, but... Yeah, there's always yeah. a but. <laughs> but a more cynical perspective, someone who doesn't believe in Jurassic Park <laughs> uh-huh. and that we should go there, Jessica and I specifically, <laughs> they might argue that some influencers are not just losing their pet, but they're losing their income from yep. said pet as well. Yep. So the motivation behind cloning their famous animal and essentially replacing them is to maybe ensure that their social media side hustle or main hustle doesn't lose any followers. Yes, yes. One of the biggest things is like, for me, if I were to clone my dear animal, although they might have the same DNA, look the same, be the same, there's also the whole aspect of the the memories that, that even though I know an animal is an animal, but they don't have the same memories as the old animal would. Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. And that bond that you might feel the dog yet doesn't feel, and I know dogs are very friendly and they will adapt very quickly, but it's just, it still just isn't the same no matter what. No, like there's no guarantee that the clone will mirror your beloved deceased pet, like in terms of what you said, behavior, personality. And there are some cases where pet owners have reported like similar similarities or quirks, but you don't know what you're going to end up with. And I always think of when I think of this pet cloning, Stephen King's like book, Pet Cemetery. Yes, 100%. (laughs) You know, like sometimes dead is better. Yep. And (laughs) like- Just the idea of you might bring your pet back and then you might think like, this isn't my dog. Yep. 
This 100%. is a talk I had. What if it's like an evil version of it? <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. And it's important to remember, though, that animals reproduce in litters, and sometimes multiple clones can result in the same litter. Some of uh-huh. these influencers have like three or four clones. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. <laughs> a little yes. bit. Yes. To watch. Yeah. And I came across some examples where the original animal, the original pet that the person owned wasn't really famous, but the clones attracted a large following. Like the idea that this is now a clone of an animal is what yes. got them their fame. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it's it's not just Instagram or TikTok influencers, but some big name A-lists, um, even Hollywood celebrities like Barbara Streisand have done private pet cloning and brought it into the public spotlight. Two of Barbara's three dogs, Miss Violet and Miss Scarlet, were cloned from her deceased dog, Samantha, who had passed away at 14. So she's got two. Two that she yeah. cloned. And now they're mi- they're misses now. Misses. <laughs> yes, they're misses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All this said, cloning animals is not really headline-breaking news in the same way that it was 20 years ago. But human cloning is a whole other ball game which we are going to get to after a word from our sponsors. This episode of 30 Morbid Minutes is brought to you by Diet Smoke. Jess, sometimes we talk about stuff on this show and it gets really heavy. It weighs on me, man. It it does get very heavy, yes. Uh And I just want to be able to turn off my brain after and take it easy or just from the stress of life. A hundred percent. I do that every night. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I don't want to turn it off entirely. Not entirely. I just want like a nice chill vibe where I'm not going to space, but I'm also, you know, not sitting in my stress. <laughs> yeah. So. I just, I, maybe I feel like I'm on the, at the gates of Jurassic Park. Perfect. That's, that's it. Perfect. Yes. yes. <laughs> it, I want that perfect medium high. Yep. Which you can get from Diet Smoke with their delicious Delta 8 THC gummies. Bingo. You might be mm-hmm. wondering what exactly is Delta 8? Delta-8 is simply a slightly less potent THC. The THC that you're probably most familiar with is Delta-9. And while both are very natural to the cannabis plant, Diet Smoke extracts Delta-8 from hemp. Mm -hmm. It's that little secret recipe to getting a smooth, stable, and big part here, legal high. Legal high, 100%. And and it's it's also, for me, like I was saying, I do take it pretty much every night. So, you know, it makes me feel less guilty. I'm like, this is legal. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, yes, Diet Smoke is legal in most states and it's non-prescription. Just check Diet Smoke's website to see if they shipped uh, their delicious gummies to your state. And it actually does work and give you a high. It's kind of this like body high. It's the chillness of CBD and that like slightly stone feeling that you get with regular weed. It's, It's not just light, it's right. Yes, yes. Plus Diet Smoke comes in two delicious flavors, blue raspberry and watermelon. Which one are you on right now? I mean, summer. It's summer. Refreshing watermelon. Yes, yes. Okay. (laughs) I still have my watermelon. Yes. And each gummy is infused with 10 milligrams of Delta 8 THC derived from American grown hemp. And these are low in sugar, fat-free, and delicious. And did we mention that they are legal? So when CBD isn't enough and traditional THC is just too much, too enjoy much. yeah, too much. Enjoy the smooth buzz of diet smoke. Use promo code 30MM for 20% off your order. 
Go to dietsmoke.com and use promo code 30MM30MM for 20% off your order. That's dietsmoke.com, promo code 30MM30MM for 20% off. This episode is also brought to you by Everly Well. It's summer. We're outside having fun, doing outdoor activities, eating better, I think, getting healthier. And it's the perfect time to check in on your health and wellness. Yes, um, I am not eating as well as I should be, but I know that I should. But with Everly Well, you can take action today by taking one of their at-home lab tests or by adding their vitamins and supplements into your daily routine. I got some um, the Omega fish oils. Me too. Yes. I love that that's what you picked also. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I didn't know this, but like I, you know, I struggle with ADD and um, I know that fat helps your brain work properly. And also Omega is just great for other stuff, but I'm like, I've noticed a difference personally. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And you can get them shipped right to your home. Oh, a hundred percent. Which is the easy part of this too. Yeah. Everly Well has these tests that check for any abnormal levels that might be keeping you from feeling your best and supporting you in your journey toward health and wellness. These tests are easy to use. The instructions are clear, and it's a great way to just take control of your own health and personal well-being. Yes. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers that you need, like the woman's health test or a food sensitivity test. Mm -hmm. I took the food sensitivity test, and Jess, I learned a few things I didn't want to learn. Oh, no. <laughs> but there are certain foods that like, I have a clear sensitivity to, and... This test was very, very helpful because it helps me, you know, creates an awareness of maybe what I should try to avoid or at least like limit in my diet because it will help me feel better. Like gluten yep. being one of those things. Yes. Same here. Gluten mm -hmm. is and it, yeah. <laughs> the thing. And it was really easy to do. Here's how it works. Everly Well ships products straight to you with everything you need in this one tiny package. So to take your at-home lab test, you collect your sample and use the included prepaid shipping label to mail it back to a certified lab technician. Mm -hmm. Your physician-reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. And you can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide you with next steps. If you order vitamins and supplements, which vitamin D is something that I try to take every single day and you can get from Everly Well, you can start adding them to your daily routine like me right away. It's so simple. One million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals, and you should too. We've both tried Everly Well and have been fascinated by what we've learned about ourselves. It is so easy to do, and the food sensitivity test is eye-opening. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash 30mm. That's everlywell.com slash 30mm. Now back to the show. So this is the big one, Jess, human cloning. Human cloning. Ooh. Human cloning. This is what I think we all think about when we think of cloning mm -hmm. and is a little bit of a ethical conversation that's still being had. Sure is. It sends shivers down my spine a little bit when, no. I, when I think about human cloning. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> More stigmas and questions revolve around the idea of cloning a human being. And naturally, there have been a few false and alleged reports of cloned human trials that haven't amounted to much. Mm -hmm. Some are more wild than others. The biggest example being Clonade, which <laughs> if that name doesn't tip you off, 
<laughs> might be a scam. CloneAid is a religious group that refer to themselves as the pioneers in human cloning. You can check out their GeoCities era website yourself. <laughs> and uh, this is where they claim to be the leading provider of reproductive human cloning services. In 2002, CloneAid held a press conference to announce the first cloned human that they made, a girl named Eve. Ah, yes. Where can we meet this Eve, Elise? As you know, Jess, we cannot, for she does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) There is no evidence to suggest that CloneAid actually did this. And the research community at large is highly skeptical, as they should be. Oh, and CloneAid also believes that human beings were created by an alien race, so take all of this as you will. We did not reach out to CloneAid for comment. I did. Um, oh, you did? No. <laughs> you said, take me with you. Take Just me with kidding. you. No, I didn't. <laughs> Make Jessica too. No. Um, what if you had a clone, but then you somehow ended up becoming Jessica too? Would that be insulting? I would be jealous of the other one. I'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, yeah, like what? Green with envy. All that being said, there was a major development in the realm of human cloning in 2013 when scientists successfully cloned the first embryonic stem cell lines from human skin cells using the same somatic cell transfer like Dolly did. But unlike Dolly, the intention wasn't to go as far as to create a human clone, just the stem cell lines which can develop into muscle, nerve, or other cells that make up the body's tissues. Mm Mm-hmm. In 1998, some scientists in South Korea almost achieved the same process, but later admitted to faking the data. And there's no evidence that since, you know, 2013, anyone has taken the process further and attempted to create an entire human being. It's a lot, lot harder to clone a human or a primate. And that's one of the hurdles standing in the way from human cloning becoming a prolific reality like all the other mammal cloning that's happening. Mm -hmm. The way that primate eggs are structured is different compared to other mammals with the placement of proteins and chromosomes. So introducing donor cells can be pretty difficult. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest question you might be thinking and we're all thinking is why... Would society or anyone want to clone a person? To make out with myself. Ah, God, Elise. Why? You have James. You have someone. Why (laughs) yourself? But think of how hilarious it would be. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) One reason, like cloning animals, is to produce children who are genetically identical to another living or pre-existing being. A second is to create cloned embryos, as we mentioned earlier, for medical applications or biomedical research. Mm -hmm. There's existing legislation surrounding human cloning that exists within the U.S. on a federal level, but varies internationally. For example, in Canada, human cloning is illegal, be it cloning humans, stem cells, or developing embryos. It's also illegal to do genetic engineering and alter future generations. In some South American countries like Argentina and Colombia, cloning is entirely prohibited. In other countries, it's legal, but with exceptions, like the UK, where the Human Reproductive Cloning Act, which allows for embryo research and therapeutic cloning, but bans reproductive cloning. In the US, there's no federal law banning cloning. Legislation varies on a state-by-state basis. So some states like Arkansas and Virginia prohibit cloning for any purpose, while others prohibit state funding of cloning, like Michigan and Louisiana. And then there are states like California and New Jersey that operate with 
clone and kill laws, wherein cloned embryo implantation for childbirth is illegal, but destroying embryos is not. Cloning can get very political, as you can imagine, and there are a lot of ethical questions that come into play, especially where cloning human beings is concerned, especially reproductive cloning. Mm -hmm. A lot of theistic religions call into question what cloning means in terms of playing God, since it defies the very notion that human life is sacred and we exist because a God created us, not because we were or could be made in a lab. Yes, there's this idea that human cloning is an abomination or defies God's will, genetically engineering children to weed out bad genes or tailor children to specific criteria rather than letting the biological fates decide. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to try to do with baby Jessica. Baby me, Jessica. Me, when I come back and haunt you in the form of a child. That's oh, from another That's from another episode. It's from another episode. Getting, you guys got to listen to all of them to find the episode. At episode 200, will I still be referencing baby <laughs> Jessica? Wait, listen and see. Is this going to happen to me? <laughs> Conversely to what Jessica just said, one of the strongest arguments for reproductive cloning is being able to isolate and remove not just bad genes like, you know, I've got two skinny ankles, but genes that could be related to hereditary cancers or heart disease. Mm -hmm. So not just curing disease, but getting to the point where disease is not even a possibility. Just like in Gattaca. Always Gattaca. <laughs> Everything comes back to Gattaca. Everything about this show always will. And that's what you need to learn if you are a 30 Morbid Minutes listener and you have not seen Gattaca. You need to see it now. And there are bigger existential questions about what reproductive cloning means in regards to our individuality or having distinct identities and agency, especially when you get into the concept of a soul or a person's unique essence. Imagine cloning yourself and then raising a little baby version of you. It's kind of weird, right? Feeding little you, changing little you's diaper. Yeah, and like kind of changing my own diaper. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> But, you know, maybe this would be a chance to do it all over again, do it right this time and raise myself to become something bigger, like an astronaut. Is that what you would do? Would you become? Or I would raise little baby me to become the person that that opens Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. These poor dinosaurs. <laughs> They'd be tormented by us. Yeah. Oh, God. Luckily, the horrors of human cloning aren't headlines in the news, but we get to live out some of these nightmare scenarios via media, movies, books. There's this dystopian science fiction novel, Never Let Me Go. Have you read it or seen the movie adaptation, Jess? I haven't. Oh, it, so it came out in 2005. I'm sorry there are spoilers happening here. I'm ready for it. But it's been almost 20 years, so <laughs> get a grip. <laughs> Uh, Never Let Me Go, it takes place in this alternate timeline where biomedical cloning and manipulating clones for the benefit of others is this very real dark reality. And so clones are bred and raised to be organ donors for like rich people. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, once all of a person's vital organs are harvested, they died. So like Kira Knightley is in it and she's, you know, like, oh, I've got my, I've got my organs ready <laughs> for you. You know, she's, she's, uh, she's kind of like a, piece of glorified cattle. Anyways, um, yeah, she's the clone. She's growing them and she's like aware that her organs are ready for them. Wow. Yeah. These and um, who else is in it? Who else is in it? Carrie Mulligan, Andrew Garfield. So like nice. They're these kind of group of friends that they are. They know that that's what their purpose is. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But they're still human and they have emotions and thoughts and wants and they kind of resign themselves to their purpose. And probably the darkest part of the whole story is that throughout their short lives, they probably live till, you know, late teenagedom or early adulthood. They have to work as caregivers for each other. So like they're going through all these surgeries to get their organs removed and stuff, which are very taxing. But like one of them has to be a caregiver to the one that's having the organs harvested. It's like, you know, it's, it's pretty dark. No. Yeah. And there's genuine concern amongst those in the anti-cloning camp that something like this fictional scenario could actually become a reality wherein we as a society developed humans in a lab with the sole purpose of taking and using their organs and parts for other people. Mm-hmm. Much more rich and privileged people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly. And theoretically, we could prevent this dystopian nightmare from becoming a reality by leaning into the therapeutic cloning side of things. Mm-hmm. So imagine if you could just clone the organ or body part you need rather than making and exploiting a whole person like a one-stop chop shop. Though someday I do hope that we'll be telling people to use code 30MM at like (laughs) customorgans.com, which I checked and it's not an actual site at the time of recording this. It will be. I'll start it. Like, <laughs> no, you're right. And I, that, that makes, you know, just for the, the little knowledge that I have on cloning right now. Yes. You know, even talking about that fictional scenario, I'm just like, I feel bad for them because they do have thoughts and feelings and these clones and, tr- you know, yeah. where is that line of like, wait, are they human? But they are, but yeah. where is the line? And, and why are we treating them differently than I guess the real person that was birthed out of a human. I don't know. It's just, it gets, it gets real weird and gray, Mm -hmm. but it does make the, the therapeutic cloning is if somebody was like, Hey, we grew your, uh, liver in this lab. Would you, I'd be like, yeah, is, does it work? Is it going to do everything it needs to? Then yeah, put it in me. Get 15% off using code 30 (laughs) MM. Yes. I would do it for 15% off. If I don't get that 15%, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But then you also have to think about scenarios where it's like a couple having fertility issues that could in a way have a child that's genetically natural to them Mm -hmm. by cloning themselves. It's like all very complex and gray. And, you know, with the state of what's happening in America right now, it's like, gosh, will we even get to these possibilities, but hundred percent. it's a tricky tightrope and maybe one that we at 30 Morbid Minutes who have made at least 10 Jurassic Park jokes <laughs> aren't qualified to walk, but <laughs> it is certainly fascinating to think about. It is. It is. Um, this has been very enlightening and eye-opening and, um, I don't know. I'm, I don't have, yeah, don't have enough information to better understand where I stand on all of this, but it's fun to talk about and think about for sure. And this is only sort of midway a little bit into our season. So we'll be covering many, many more morbid topics. Next week on the show, the origins of tombstones and engraving symbols explained. Mm-hmm. Which like, I now am have, I'm thinking a lot about like, what's my epitaph? What, what symbols would I want on a gravestone? I know. I remember we talked about in the Ouija episode that guy had the Ouija board on his headstone. Granted, he was the maker. I wouldn't want that though. On the Ouija board? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I would want a cane, this an etching of a cane with a ball of amber at the top with a single mosquito frozen oh, inside. God help me. Those listening, please help me take me away. <laughs> take me <laughs> <laughs> And please tell your friends about the podcast. 
Yep. Share our socials with them. You can listen mm-hmm. to our podcast anywhere. So you don't have to have yeah. Apple or Spotify. You can listen to it anywhere. And I imagine if you're listening and you're kind of a sicko, you probably hang out with some other sickos. A hundred percent. Yes. To be into this. We also have merch in the store. Um, at the Rooster Teeth store, we have um, three shirts in there and stickers. Please check those out. We'd love your support. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, really appreciate it. And, and also continue to follow us on social at Jessica Wasami, at Elise Willems, and at 30 Morbid Minutes. We'll see you next time. And be sure to follow at Jessica Wasami too <laughs> on social media. I'm, I'm just camping that social handle so that when she does arrive (gasps) well we will transfer you over to at jessica wasami too we'll give her at jessica wasami oh my god elise you can't take this away from me that's probably what we'll do yeah oh my god that's probably how we'll do it no no elise no yeah please i'm no